long story short, I ended up testing to lieutenant, okay, through the police department and actually ran the city of Charleston. But also those same guys that had stopped me, I became their boss. Now, the, the sweetness in this thing, <laughs> I won't say karma, but the sweetness in it is I, sh through it all, it was a process of showing them togetherness and building that bridge. And there was more, there was more to the story than just, hey, I see here, I, I, you know, I deserve to be here. It was more of an opportunity to show them who I really was instead of, I guess, a color. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers. I am your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a special guest today named uh, Duke Jordan. Uh, he is a commercial realtor. Uh, he is an investment real estate. He's an author, uh, a United States Marine Corps veteran, uh, retired police uh, as well, and also uh, raising a pretty wonderful family. I found him through a LinkedIn post that went viral talking about the success of his kids. And so I've asked him to come join us today so that we can learn from him. So uh, Duke, welcome to the Money Talkers. Hey, that's a heavy introduction, man. <laughs> <laughs> I only read half of it, so. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I guess the first thing I kind of want to talk about is kind of how I found you um, was, you know, I saw a LinkedIn post and you were talking about um, your daughter, I believe, going to college and some of the things that you've done as a retired police officer and raising your family and that kind of stuff. Can you kind of talk to me about how... Um, you know, what, what you kind of spoke about in the post and, and why you wanted to do that? Well, just with today's atmosphere, I don't want to jump in the political realm or black, white, this, that, or the other, but with today's atmosphere, it just, we need a breath of fresh air and let people know every, everything is okay. The majority of things that are going on in America, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if we sit there and study the radio and the media and things like that, they have you believe that it's just, you know, so we're on the verge of civil war and anarchy and uh, they're going to burn the White House down. But I just wanted to push a, a breath of fresh air or, or I, I needed to say, I felt as though I had the background to be able to say that and people would actually listen instead of just a post. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I mean, it worked for me. I stopped, I read it and I thought, man, here's somebody who's talking about the good things in life, right? I feel like we don't um, take responsibility or focus on the things that are the good things in life sometimes. And, um, you know, it, it, I think that there's a, a bigger yearning for that. Unfortunately, we all watch the news though, you know? 
<laughs> it's, it's the car crash out there and um you know that catches our eyes and so um and i think you said you mentioned your daughter's getting ready to go to uh marshall university uh as a biochem major right she's going to marshall she had a full right or she had been accepted to annapolis as well and ohio and kentucky and she chose marshall <laughs> or it's i guess closer to home or but she just felt comfortable going to marshall with her uh, and running uh, track as well. She's oh, wow. So cross country. And so you, you, you just, whoa. <laughs> there, there it was. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was coming. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you, you just went through the experience of going through college applications and, and decisions and those kinds of things. Can you kind of walk me through what it was like in your family? Well, back to the how that you had mentioned earlier. And I think I told you, you know, my dad being born in 1916, we, I really, my daughter Kayla is really the first of our generation or family that's actually going to college. I mean, I had some college, but you know, you're looking at a, you know, you know, the father dropped out of school when he was 12 to take care of family, and feed everybody in the job. And, and of course me, when I was in, high school it was yeah, just go to school and get your get your diploma and, and get back out there and work so i was happy to have had experience in the marine corps which mm. kind of opened my eyes as well as uh, you know the police department and so back to the experience i knew where i knew she needed to get college but i you know even for me i, I wasn't real familiar with I think I learned more through her, you know, these young kids nowadays that have so much access with internet and, and she's 10 times smarter than I am when it comes to, you know, the application process and things. And my, now my wife, she's uh, got two bachelors and she knew the process a whole lot better. So I kind of stood on the outskirts and, and just, okay, go, you know, go, I know you need to go, but I, that was more of a, my wife and, and daughter driving that vehicle and just me being a cheerleader on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm at eight and six years old. So, um, we've got a little bit to go, but, uh, the, the, that must've been pretty just proud to see the money story change then. Yeah. Right. Because the way you're talking from, uh, dad to yourself to d picking the different paths and, and being aware of it to change the, the story, I guess, is that? That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, for me, I think I felt as though by the time I learned that, I guess what I missed, you know, we had great love, great parents and they gave us everything. They knew what they knew. They, they gave us their best and all the love in the world wouldn't change it for the world. But, um, that, you know, seeing the things that I saw and, 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 trying to create the avenues. I know it was too late for me for college. I just, you know, at 54, 55 years old, um, I knew I had to do something else. I had to find a different avenue to get, to get there. Uh, but as far as my daughter, I think I've learned enough or learned enough, you know, through past uh, experiences or whatnot. And to be able to say, you know, let's, let's put her on the right path. Let's put my son on the right path. And, and there was a lot of people who helped, you know, as well, you know, the teachers, the counselor, you know, the system is set up now to, 
and, and we're in, you know, school systems matter. You know, the teachers at, you know, certain schools matter. Uh, I think my, my daughter was, she received more honors than anyone in her class. And, but she's always done that throughout and we've always pushed her uh, in that direction. So uh, it, it was just a process. And, and once again, I think I just said, and I learned through this whole process as well. And, and just glad I had a support system in place who also assisted in getting her to where she is right now. Yeah, that's a great, I think, a description there where you're talking about having a support system uh, because there's, you, I feel like there, you create the space that our kids are going to amaze us, that's, right? That, you're, you're, you're right. And you can't go um, with the agenda in my mind to tell them what the outcome is going to be. I think you got to have that support system to see where they go. True. True. Um, and, and being a beat, I guess a beat cop at one time and just seeing the different school systems, um, you know, I, I really didn't know, you know, I met with a, a certain Senator not too long ago and they were talking about the different testing levels at school as far as pass fail and the curve and different things like that. But I was really educated on, you know, some schools are just, hey, if they just show up and, and, and are here and they, they actually get through the day, we'll go ahead and pass. And I mean, I know that's an exaggeration. However, it's, you know, even in a small city like Charleston, West Virginia, with, you know, only 50,000 people basically, but there's a dramatic difference between some of the middle schools and elementary schools here in, 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 in Charleston even. And I think, you know, that, that definitely needs to be addressed. And I just saw that, you know, there are some disadvantages for kids who are going to a school like that. Yeah. And, you know, with, and, and the teachers are so busy trying to, uh, I guess, just <laughs> keep everybody in line. They don't have time to teach. Yeah. And, and so, anyway, that, once again, I'm going down that road. No, no, that's, listen, I didn't really know anything about school systems until we were putting, until my kids got to school. Like, I really didn't know that there were grades on elementary schools. Yeah. Like, I didn't know there was, I didn't know they graded them, right. <laughs> you know, and like, I, you know, I always, because being around real estate for the last 20 years, like, I, I always heard like, oh, it's got good schools. And I'm always like, Right. So what? <laughs> but now, like, I, I really have, have kind of educated ourselves into this. And, uh, and it also it, it happens with the leadership. So my daughter started at a school um, that was number one in the state of Florida. And that includes all the big cities, Orlando, Miami. It was this really cool magnet program. They changed the leadership after her kindergarten year and the school tanked her second year. And it was like, it was just, yeah, it was really kind of crazy, like how fast that the people who were there taking care of the kids, uh, it, it wasn't like they were a bad school, but it was right. just so exceptional. And it was, you know, uh, it's almost like a business, you know, where you see someone who runs, like there's different restaurants, right? right? And the person who's the chef and the guy who owns a restaurant makes a big difference of how the quality of the restaurant and how the success of the restaurant goes, even though they're yeah. all cooking food, right? Right, right. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's, um, so uh, with your experience coming from, well, actually, I want to talk to you about that. What, what is your experience coming through the Marine Corps? Like you, you mentioned you came out of school. Did you go straight to the Marine Corps? And then can you kind of talk me through that? So, you know, at 17, actually 16 or 17 or so, I saw that commercial, you know, the guy, he's doing the sword and up in his face. And, and 
I mean, that uniform just looked great. <laughs> and it sold me. I was like, oh my God, I just, I just want to be a Marine. And, you know, didn't know anything about, yeah, if you scored this high, you'd be, you know, the testing actually affected your job placement, you know, within the Marine Corps. Oh, really? I remember taking those tests, but I didn't know that they actually came with the, that was the application for the the level of uh, job. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking, okay, I just want to pass this and do a thousand push Yeah, I just, I always thought it was just get in or get out. Don't, you know, like, uh, don't yeah. be a dodo and then you can, you know, <laughs> and then so, we'll figure it out later. Yeah, I, you know, I ended up uh, getting on a bus that night after graduation and went to Paris Island the, the night of graduation. Really? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I never will forget, I killed a mosquito when I got off the bus in Paris Island. And I had to find it and bury it and have a funeral and pray, pray over it. And that was just something you just never forget. And, uh, but I, I asked myself, what in the world have I done? <laughs> yeah, what have I done? You've seen those videos with the yellow footprints and you're standing on those yellow footprints. Oh, my goodness. That was, it was, it was tragic. It was tragic. But... <laughs> After, were, you, were, you, were you ready for it? You know, having a disciplinarian, you know, dad, you know, once again, I had a workhorse dad, and, yeah. you know, was in our place, like, you know, Marine Corps boot camp. So I was ready for the discipline side, but I just, it was just so overwhelming when, you, you know, you've got three grown men yelling at you all day. And uh, even when you're doing the right thing. So, uh, but it was an experience, you know, physically I was in shape, you know, I run track cross country and half milers and so mentally physically you know it was it was, it was just an experience but it was just a, a growing it was part of my life it, it changed it it will change you and uh, you know I think it changes 99% I was you know to the better and uh, what were some know, of the, what, what were some of the uh, the outcomes from that for you when you say it changed uh, you when I, when I say change you know just the togetherness of just a group being able to accomplish more as a group. And even, even when I was coming up, you know, I'm, I'm saying gospel groups and we sang at different churches around the East coast here. And I'm a drummer, I'm a singer as well, but uh, just the togetherness and just, we all saw green. There was no color line. There was no, you know, you're better than him or it was that golden rule piece of it. And, you know, we can just get further together and building chains as you know as one and but just just growing a, a whole then nothing could stop us as a unit and that that mentality and then bringing that out into even the real world or your workplace and and, and just carrying that you know with you it's like nothing nothing can stop us you know as you know and that's that was you know part of that is that post as well uh, yeah and this, this togetherness, but that, I think that was grown from the Marine Corps, Marine Corps days. So then did you go straight into being uh, on the police force from there or what, did, what, where did, where did life take you after that? So funny story, <laughs> um, 89, I came out of the Marine Corps and I got my real estate license and for century 21 and I was working, I went to a listing here in Charleston. And on that listing, you know, I was knocking on the lady's door and she came to the door and she said, Oh no, 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 no. I said, what the heck? You know, I had my gold jacket on and a badge. 
you know, high and tight and everything going. <laughs> but uh, next thing I know, there's two police cars that pull up. I said, what in the world? Well, they come out and they say, hey, you, hey boy, come on over here. You know, I'm like, man, what, what's going on here? And they asked for my ID. They, it, was, it was an interesting experience, okay, to say the least. And after, after that, after that, I, I, I was approached by Department of Justice came in to Charleston, West Virginia, and they realized that our police department had thrown away some minority applications. Black, women, Asian, I mean, this is 1989. So, but, so what happened is Department of Justice said, your next hiring process, you will hire a minority and you will hire a whoever is next, but then you'll hire a minority for every majority. So I got hired on the Charleston Police Department through that Department of Justice process. Now, once again, you know, I was kind of looked at it like, hey, you wouldn't even be here if it weren't for this Department of Justice. And you kind of felt that, I won't say less than, but it was just like you had something to prove. So long story short, I ended up testing to lieutenant, okay, through the police department and actually ran the city of Charleston. But also those same guys that had stopped me, I became their boss. Now, the, the sweetness in this thing, and I won't say karma, but the sweetness in it is I, sh through it all, it was a process of showing them togetherness and building that bridge. And there was more, there was more to the story than just, hey, I see here, I, I, you know, I deserve to be here. It was more of an opportunity to show them who I really was instead of, I guess, a color. Uh, it was more of a, a person. And let, let guys, let's come together. We can do so much more together here. And, and, and just showing them some things in the community and teaching others here in the Charleston, in, in the Charleston community. So I, I built a lot of bridges here in, in the city of Charleston. Yeah, you sound like a bridge builder. That's, you have to do it. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, you mentioned that the main <clears throat> lesson for you was that you could do more together through the Marine Corps. And then mm -hmm. later in life, you were able to find a situation that needed that more than anything. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's another reason, you know, you don't see us on the national news or, you know, we don't have people out here or protest. And we've had some protests, but... I've actually stopped, you know, at some of them and, and, you know, people are coming up and shaking your hands and, hey, I appreciate you being out here. And it's, it's a peaceful, truly a peaceful protest. And we have relationships in place if something, a George Floyd happens here. We have relationships in place to where we, everybody can sit at the table and, and it's not, it's not a, a total mess. How long were you there with the uh, police force? Uh, 20, a little over 20 years. Wow. The, uh, and then you went to, um, or where did you go? Where did you, what did you do after that? I mean, cause you, you needed a new bridge to build, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. So towards the end of my police uh, work, I was a contractor for department of, I say department of defense, but it was a joint interagency training and education center, a long word for the Homeland Response Force. They have what we call terrorist scenario planners, uh, 
each state has those uh, different planners. So if there's a hurricane or if there's a bomb, a huge mass casualty event, uh, I'm trying to think of who, you hear of her home or, or the Homeland Response Force being called out through the governor's, uh, well, Portland, for instance. Is it similar to FEMA? It's totally, but it falls under FEMA with the military uh, arm to it as well. So all of that falls under the, the planning and the, the, the scenarios that we wrote. And I would sit back and actually write a scenario to where we needed to call out you know, or the governor needed to call out the National Guard and, and the military arm and, and the FEMA. And so you, you just play scenarios, uh, different states. And I was over Denver, Colorado, Hawaii, and California. That's an odd group. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you, would, you would get assigned to a different state because yeah. each state would have exer exercises. And you'd see, you know, sometimes on the local news, you'll see hey, what's going on out there? You see the Coast Guard, you see all these helicopters flying around and rescue and, and the hospitals involved, and, you know, ambulances, and, you know, but it's, it's one of those uh, uh, exercises. You know, I was on the ground. Um, I was actually into the Keys when Hurricane Irma went over it um, uh, with the head of the FEMA response team. And uh, I was, I was literally with him, one of the first two people in, allowed into the Keys after wow. the hurricane had gone over. Um, at the time, I owned an RV dealership, and I was a FEMA registered, and we were, they wanted to put RVs in there. The month before, uh, Texas had gotten hit really hard. Uh, right. That's when Houston. And so um, that got national news because they'd been out for about 45 days, and nothing no, been, nothing been done. Yeah, and so this guy was like, look, man, can you – come with me. And I'm like, I just was like, yeah, I just hop in the truck. I mean, I was supposed to just be in a meeting for an hour or two. And then I just, I just went bought clothes on the way down, you know, went to Kmart and down the keys and, <laughs> and, uh, it was just living out of the truck basically. And then they put me in a hotel, but they, um, I was like very, very shocked at how many people had to work together to make something work and how, the scenario wasn't like it wasn't as as in place as I think people think it is. It's a massive undertaking, and that's why you have this training group now. I mean, and I'm sure they're more advanced even now. But I don't know why you have these. <laughs> down in the keys, I don't know of anybody. I don't know anybody who's going to the keys or anything. But you know, Texas, California. Well, we they sent the army corps of engineers out and they sent me to three different campgrounds because they were like all right we signed off on this and we got there and there's power poles laying across the entrance of it the whole thing's flooded there's flipped over trailers everywhere and i'm like you guys signed off on this like did you even drive up to it and i mean i watched the the uh bob from fema just see that can't lose happen. his mind <laughs> exactly i mean that cannot happen. somebody dropped the ball Oh, he was like, man, well, you know how much we pay the Army Corps of Engineers to write these reports? And I go, oh. I was like, they didn't even pull up to the driveway. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't have. And then looked at this and said, yeah, we, can, we have water and electric, and we're going to put residents in here. Like, there's no way. Someone dropped the ball on that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, you know, the whole logistics in there. Every, but all of that is that falls under that umbrella. And, and so you saw it firsthand of what it shouldn't look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, though. So he was, uh, he was um, 
now I'm getting off on tangents, but he was, uh, <laughs> he was very competitive that we got RVs on the ground uh, before Texas. Okay. Because they were having new, because the news was tearing Houston apart about how they didn't release any of the trailers or put anybody in there. So he wanted the photo op. So I put RVs on the ground way. I had him on, I had him on the road that day. And Good. so um, he, we ended up uh, having to go to the Naval base there uh, mm -hmm. in Key West, um, which was a whole nother experience because we weren't allowed on there being citizens. And then, you know, uh, we had to go through the checkpoints and well, it was kind of a disaster zone and some of my drivers were carrying. So now we had weapons to handle going on to a federal naval base that was not good. So the, the, uh, the head guy at the naval base there, the, uh, he, we, it was, a, it was a very <laughs> interesting week, <laughs> but we were on the front pages of Miami times the next day, uh, as yeah. look how fast Florida has responded. And, um, I was uh, I was shocked at the amount of uh, people involved, and they're um, all trying to get to the same outcome of helping people. It was really impressive on that side. Those those systems are are now, and I mean they are big time in place as providing everyone does their job correctly. Well, we're, we're we're frequent. Um, uh, users of FEMA down here in Florida. So we, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we tend to probably ring that doorbell more than most people, <laughs> but so, um, so you left you, so you, you left the, uh, department of defense area and then came back to Charleston, right again. And then what did you move into doing? So I said, it's time for me to get involved with real estate. Now, having said all of this, um, when I was on the police department, I, I uh, acquired two patents. Uh, one, one patent it was uh, they're both in the sports arena, but uh, really, and they were they were a fitness. I call it a fitness bar, uh, for lack of terms. But anyway, it was a uh, bar that you exercise with. You do fifteen different moves with it, and I went to produ production in China actually, and it was probably quarter million to a half million dollar undertaking with private, once again, this together thing. And I had gotten in front of a couple people and they, hey, dude, we want to help you with this. And they helped. And long story short, China ripped me off for about 200 grand that, because they, and when I say that, I won't say they ripped me off, but they sent me equipment that I couldn't use really. It was mm. uh, just not made to specs. I had no, you know, Yes, no recourse control. on that, right? I, no, I'm, I'm a policeman in Charleston, you know, and <laughs> I'm a fight a China manufacturing group, you know, it, it just doesn't happen. So as I went on and coming from the arena that I'm coming from, if I've borrowed money from you or you've given me money, I'm going to give that back. <laughs> so I started paying that back, but there was no way I could do it on my police salary. So I knew that I had to get into something that would produce, you know, a substantial amount of money. And I said, let me just try real estate again. And I became the number one residential agent for our company. Um, after that, I said, you know, the real money's in commercial. And, you know, after, after a few deals and I started going down the commercial arena and became very successful in, in the commercial arena. So, uh, and I was able to hear recent, literally recently, everybody's flush. <laughs> everybody's taken care of. 
and, and now to the battle with the state and, and, and you know, every, now the, the rest of it. So that's why I say I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I'm not there just yet, but I'm heading in the right direction and, you know, uh, it's going to be all right. Yeah, I think um, that's, that's an interesting experience you had with the, with the product and then the investors and the, well, that's a, that's a pretty crazy story. What'd you do with all these workout bars <laughs> that you had them? That's a good question. No, there are, <laughs> most of them I had to toss. I mean, literally I tossed hundreds of them and there are some that I just kind of kept as just novelty pieces and like, Hey, I did yeah. this, you know, here you want one of these, you know, so, um, you know, and I may go back down that road eventually. Yeah. yeah. Try to produce something here in America. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was a interesting, you know, if I'd have had, we got to get you on Shark Tank. You know, my patent has since expired and, you know, my other patent, but no one's making what I made just yet. You know, yeah, I was for one of the companies to pick it up and just do it, or just you know repatent or a design patent. But I actually had the utility patents on on the product. So how did you go? How how did you, as a police officer, <laughs> come up with a workout bar and then get it patented? Like what it, what was what was that like? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I should get a patent or I want to invent something, or you know, we all come up with probably yeah. like, we all come, probably come up with a great idea like once sure, a week. Sure. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the first step is just to make sure that there's nothing out there and you want to do a patent search. Uh, and you can get on, you know, now you can get on the internet and actually run your own patent search on, on uh, the uh, department of, uh, I forget which department it is, but the patent office. And um, because there are two patents, there's the design patent, which, you know, those, that headset that you have on right now, you know, if I could make a, a better head design and, you know, then that would be my design patent because I'm using, you know, someone has the patent on a headset, on the headset, but a, a certain design of it, then, you know, no. But um, a utility patent is designing something that doesn't exist at all. I mean, it, there's nothing. So the first person that came out with the light bulb, you know, or, or okay, he's got a utility patent on the light bulb. Uh, and, uh, you know, same thing with that, that headset that you're wearing. Someone has a utility patent on the, the actual headset. So, uh, but, and there's a difference of between, you know, maybe when you're using an attorney, a design patent is going to cost you about 5000 A utility patent is going to cost you about 15000 depending on what it is. And uh, so that's what I went through. Worked, worked a lot over time and, and got my patent work done. Um, went to the next stage. I mean, you know, I'm thinking back to one of my attorney bills here was probably $30,000 before it was all, you know, said and done. Uh, and then, you know, I'm just thinking about some of these bills that were coming in. What the heck you do with, you know, a quarter million dollars or, you know, trust me, it goes fast. And, and, and most, you know, a lot of it, if you're wanting to do things right, you want to use, you know, you want to use the profession on the people that know what they're, they're doing out there. So, that's, that's one thing I've learned in my life that uh, there are about four avenues where I want somebody to be a real professional. Um, you know, an attorney, uh, an insurance guy, your banker, um, you know, uh, and, and for me, uh, your CPA, you know, um, 
those kinds of things people look at those and they think oh they're expensive and i'm like you don't know what they can cost you if you don't <laughs> you don't know what the cheap guy can cost it's like i, I tell people like i don't I, I don't want groupon lasik right yeah. like i don't want somebody cutting on my eyes for 200 bucks like you know, give me give me the real deal <laughs> i'll pay yeah. up for that one there's certain things you need to pay up for right exactly exactly so. <laughs> You know, you got, you know, so I got those patents and I took it to the next level of actually saying, wow, I have a patent. And, you know, most people will think, oh, yeah, I've got a patent. I'll be a millionaire now because I have a patent. Well, it doesn't, it's not always that easy. Uh, so I started marketing that around to different places and different fitness companies. And finally, a, an executive at Nautilus said, or Sobex, one of the two, he said, dude, look, we've got to manufacture, you know, this is where everybody manufactures out of China. And he hooked me up directly with that manufacturing company. And, you know, but they saw me as just this little pebble. And yeah. you know, they said, hey, well, we need, we need the prepayment on this. We need prepayment on that. And yeah, we'll, we will send you great, great items. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't so great. Wasn't um, so <laughs> that's awesome, man. So you 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 keep yourself pretty busy. Um, the, uh, what um what was your strategy through keeping yourself with all this busyness with uh with also raising your kids? Um, you know, I wanted to be an example. You know, if I couldn't be that Mister Doctor or have a title in front of my name, I just wanted them to see that yeah, you 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 got to go out here and hit it. You got to go out here and get what you want, you know, and for me, it was that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And, and that, you know, takes a special mind or, or, you know, sometimes you have to go to a special place for that, especially when you have a, you know, a working wife as well. And she's like, what the heck are you spending money on now? You know, or why did you do that? Or you're, you're right. You know, I've written two books and, you know, sometimes those aren't cheap, you know, when you're just, you know, fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar a year guy. You know, uh, when you're throwing five, ten grand out the door, that's you know that that puts a dent on, on things at the household. So, um, not so much now, but still, <laughs> it put it puts a dent. You know, it put a dent on things for for anybody. And uh, but you went and still did it. You know, did. like you you did it. That's the it thing. It had to be done. I had to at least try. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so I didn't hit the stars. Maybe, hell, maybe I didn't even hit the moon, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the cloud or two. You know, I'm, I'm getting closer. Exactly. You know what? That's the thing. Like, uh, I was going to ask you what you would do different if you were going to redo the bar thing. But, um, you know, it's like uh, when, when they invented the light bulb, they asked him, you know, he's like, how many times have you tried? He's like, I've tried a thousand different ways. And they were like, well, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And he was like, I just know a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Exactly. Right. And so um, I think it's amazing that you've these different avenues, whatever you've gone into, you've gone in to win, right. You've gone in to make it better. Um, it sounds like, I mean, from Marine Corps to real estate to, you know, wanting to write a book, want to make a patent. Like I want to patent sure. something. Well, how do I do it? I'm going to go find out. Right. Yeah. You can't and, quit and go do it. Yeah. Get you it know? done. That's a, that's a great example. Um, you're going to say a lot more is caught than taught with our children. Mm -hmm. um, and they see, they, they see you, you know, they, you know, they, they see the struggle sometimes. And I try to let them in on, yeah, don't let them in on everything. You know, don't, 
same line. Yeah. I need new tires, or but instead I got you this, or you know, I know you you had to have this laptop over here, you know, and you know, but the little thing, little things matter, and uh, them seeing mom and dad go out the door that, that matters a whole lot, and also having a mom and dad at home, or yeah. at least you know, figures in their life. That's I mean, that can be a game changer in a lot of situations. And so, you know, for me, as a policeman meeting some of the kids in the neighborhood, uh, you know, I've, I've got friends, you know, you don't need a boat when you have friends with boats. So, you know, I've, I've, my cousin always, you know, he kept a 36-foot yacht or whatever out here. It's a yacht for West Virginia, okay? I know the bigger towns, you know, they've got big stuff. But West Virginia, you, you got a 36, 38-foot boat, it's a yacht here. So, but... Uh, I'd grab those guys and, and grab those kids and take them out with us sometimes and say, look, this, you know, and they're asking, hey, how did we get here? And, and I try to explain the steps, you know, uh, you know, and he's big in the chemical industry, but there are certain steps that they can start with right, right now, right where they stand. Yeah, because he wasn't, he wasn't always big in the chemical industry. Exactly. There's a story behind how, you know, uh, you know, he got there. And, you know, he put the work in and, and that's what, you know, I try to let these, nobody's going to give it to you. And mm -hmm. I don't, this entitled mentality of, well, I mean, where's mine? Why can't I have mine? You get out there and you find, you know, I, I just, the entitlement crowd for generation, there, there's a certain group that just feels so entitled that they should have and or something should be given to them. And I, I just can't get down with that. <laughs> I can see that. That's for sure. Uh, I didn't, you know, you, but going out to be, to do the job as well as possible, right? Like that's, I think that's another part of the mentality. You mentioned like the entrepreneurial mentality, um, sure. which is awesome because you've had some non-entrepreneurial experiences in, in some of the careers you've been in, but also you have that entrepreneurial mentality, which is go solve the problem, find the problem, make the problem solved. And then let's get it, let's make it better. Right. It's like, cause I keep hearing that kind of recurring theme out of you as you're, as you're talking about these things is that you've got to keep pushing, you know, be part of the solution. My friend. Mm -hmm. Be part of this. I mean, if you're going to complain, <clears throat> you better be bringing a solution to the table as well. And, and, and granted, you may not have all of it, but fine, I'll listen to your complaint. You know, we can sit down at the table and, and, and discuss anything uh, and it won't, you know, I, I can check all the blocks. You know, I, I can remember my dad and I coming out of a, a place called Witcher Creek here in West Virginia, and uh, <clears throat> they were burning. <clears throat> they were burning a cross when we came out. We had just been hunting. That's oh, true stuff. It's real stuff. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they were burning a cross. Now, what what got my attention was one of the guys said, "Hey, Dubois." My dad, his name was Dubois. He said, "Hey, Dubois." And my dad said, hey, John, whatever his name was, he called his name because he knew his voice, even though he's hooded up. And <laughs> strangest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I mean, now that I look back on it, yeah, like, man, that was crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, now granted, we were probably the only two that had guns walking out of the holler there. But still, yeah, it was, it was just a little, you know, we just kept walking. Now, and the same thing with, you know, us singing, you know, I mentioned singing gospel music across the East Coast. We'd gone through, KKK used to line up roads and hand out the brochures, informational brochures on roads. And we'd gone through a lot of those stops 
when we go down south to sing. And I, I just remember going through some of those uh, some of those stops and things. But yeah, I, I've, I've got a good, I guess, and just to hear some of my father's stories, and once again, who was born in 1916, you, you know, you wonder why some people act the way they act. Well, some people aren't so far away from that person that affected their, you know, life. Now I say, once we're all adults, we can, you know, we, we, you know, we need to think for ourselves and make our own choices and, and judge people for who they are. You know, I don't blame anyone around me for what happened when. I, can, I'm, I want to work on the future, once again, together. And I want to work on our situation and, and solutions for everybody together. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, Chicago, I look at court, you know, I look at the, the anarchists, the, the things that are going on in, in, in Seattle and this, the hatred, just the sheer hatred for police. And I was like, guys, you know, okay. I, I mean, I, I try to think about, okay, I was a policeman. What, did I do something wrong here? And, and there are people that are raising their children not to talk to the police. And that just, that, that kind of runs, that runs through me a little bit, but I will still sit down with that same person and say, hey, you want to you discuss this a little bit and tell me why you're teaching your children this? Because I'm teaching my officers when I was, you know, lieutenant or sergeant, I'm taking them to the different communities and introducing them to people and not just Dr. So-and-so, but crackhead Susie or, or the, 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 the sex addict, you know, Susie over here, you know, whoever it may be, but I'm introducing them and, and creating relationships so that when things really do hit the fan, they can say, you know, we just didn't show up in, in the bad times. You yeah, know, a familiar and face. You, you have to have a relationship and we are part of the community. I would show up at our church, well, at First Baptist Church here on Sundays and I would take my break as a policeman in uniform and jump on the piano and play for the service and, you know, through the break. And that's the people there finally didn't see me as, you know, the officer. They saw me as Duke, you know, and, and that's how I just want to be known as, yeah, I'm Duke. Oh, oh, that's right. I happen to be a black guy or I happen to have come from here. I happen to be a policeman, but I'm Duke, baby. <laughs> I, I, I hope that that uh, mentality takes hold for a lot of people um, and that the, the, you know, they always say you can be, you can look for problems and you look for solutions, right? And uh, the, your, your approach to the, listen, let's just throw our hands up or let's do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's shown up a lot throughout your, our conversation today, which is awesome because that's, I, I think we need to highlight people who think of moving forward more than looking back. Sure, sure. You know, I think that's a really big, a big talent and part of your success. Uh, in my mind, what I'm seeing is just from your ability to say, okay, we have a problem. What are we going to do about it? Sure. You know, and, and um, you have a national audience, so I, I, I want to get this out here. Come to West Virginia, folks. <laughs> come, come on. And, and you too, Cody. You need to come through sometimes and let me let me show you around the, the real West Virginia. What you don't what you don't hear about. Okay? Yeah. What you don't see. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a, uh, I might have to take you up on that. I uh, go go run around. We might have to go uh, get some of those guns out in the woods too. So <laughs> <laughs> I might be down for that.
it's like changed. It. It's totally changed. So that and that that's something else. That was then. Yeah. That was then. You know, and and so we're we're in a new now. Okay, and uh, things aren't perfect. Uh, things yes can be improved, even at our police department, even at you know. With, but but we're at the table, and and we're constantly trying to improve and work on things together. Man, I like that. Um, listen, uh, Duke, I, uh, where can the audience find out more about what you're doing uh, there in Charleston or, um, you know, to hear more of from you? Man, I just say go to my LinkedIn page. You know, I, I really don't, you know, I've got a DukeJordan.com, but I just did that for the, the heck of it. But, um, you know, I don't have a blog or anything just yet. Just yet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I said, find him on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's under Duke Jordan. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say again, man, thank you. That made me stop. I saw your post. It made me stop and say, man, this is important. You know, your, your message on there of value every life, um, you know, that we are, that your family's doing things. It's, it's, I tell people that you need to work on your micro economies. You know, this macro stuff is we, we all have these duties and responsibilities to our families. And so, um, you know, that was a, as a positive thing that I saw as I was coming through and I wanted to talk to you about it because it's just, I think we need to highlight positivity a lot more. Um, and, and can you continue to be that voice, uh, that, that helps? Well, I, I love that. Well, I would love to be, I guess, in your shoes and actually do something like you're doing for everybody. I'm sure you have a lot of people out there yourself just doing what you're doing. So. Well, I appreciate that. And I, um, make sure you go check out, uh, LinkedIn, find Duke Jordan. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for this and then, uh, make sure to come check out us on the high impact series. Thanks again. And it's Duke Jordan instead of Alan Wells. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good deal. Thank you. All right. Brother. Thank you for listening to another episode of money talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at The Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker